Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Good morning. Apparently, there was something going on while I was gone. Uh, I walked in this morning and I saw all these tables, and my first thought was, oh my gosh, what did they do? They forgot to put all these tables away. We got to get all this stuff put away because we got to get ready for church this morning. And then I walk out into the foyer, like, no, no, Brady, this is all to celebrate your birthday last week. So, first of all, thank you so much. Um, I. My love language is words, and this, this is overwhelming. It's a lot, and I just really, truly appreciate it. If you don't know what's going on, this is your first day here. Like, this place is a zoo. What's going on? It's not quite like this every single Sunday, um, but, uh, but thank you. So we're having a party. For my, I turned 50 on Saturday, so we're having a party for that. And then also we're here to celebrate my daughter, Emma. My daughter, Emma, got engaged on her 23rd birthday on Monday. So listen, so we've been lying to each other for a long time. We've been lying about her, why we were going to Dallas and all this other stuff. Then my son's, son-in-law's uh, 30th birthday is today, but his party was last night. We lied about that too. And all of you have been lying about this to me. All right, so thank you for, that's a good lie, by the way. There's such thing as a good lie. Well, welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Pastor Brady Testorf. We're glad and excited that you came to worship with us today. This, uh, we're, we've been going Strong here at the Calling Community Church. We're into our fifth year, into our obviously going towards our sixth year now. And so, uh, so welcome. If you have a bulletin, make sure you take that bulletin and you, you look at inside, see what's going on. And there's a piece that we want you to pull off at the end of that, tear that out, and fill that out. Because today, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper together today. It's an exciting time as we prepare to get ready to, to, to remember what Christ has done for us, and so when you come forward this morning for communion, you're actually going to then drop your uh, offering if you came prepared to give today. We have an envelope that we provided for you. Drop your envelope in the basket and drop that attendance sheet in the basket. That attendance sheet is my connection to you, and so it lets me know how I can get a hold of you, how I can be praying for you. There's a place for a prayer request on the back of those, and we take all of that very serious. We we believe that connections with people are what drive us. And obviously our connection with the Lord is the most important, but then our connection with one another is what um, gives, I know it gives me life, it gives me purpose, and I just want to encourage you to let us know about that. So we have uh, got the table set, so it's going to be a little bit different today because typically we have the table set up over here, so we're going to have to go the opposite direction today. So instead of going to your right, you're going to go to your left, and we'll walk through that at the end, tell you how all that's going to happen. But I just want you to get prepared to come to the table today. Prepare your heart, and we'll speak more about that as we, as we draw close to the end of the time together. But just be prepared to come to the table. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you for your presence here, and we thank you for the presence of all those who have gathered today. 
Some who have come for the first time, not knowing what to expect. Some who have been here since the very beginning of this church. And I praise you for all the people in between. Lord, would you, would you meet us here today? Would we take away something more of your love that you have for us and, and your love that you have for all people? We would be, be impacted today by that. Father, I don't deserve any of this stuff. I don't deserve to stand here, but by your grace and your grace alone, here I am. And I thank you for that. I thank you for all the lessons I've learned in the past 50 years and all the things that you're going to teach me in the whatever, however many years I have left here on this planet. So we want to make the most of the moment we have, the most of the time we have right here today. So let us not miss what it is you're saying, what it is you want us to do as we walk away today. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, so we started down this road going old school for the new school year. So we're in the Old Testament of the Bible. So we're going to be in the book of Ezra today. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, start searching for Ezra. If you have your Bible app and you somehow can get signal in here, uh, do that too. Find Ezra. And this whole idea um, about the people have, are, have been in exile, they've been in Babylon, and now they've gotten the, the go-ahead to return back home to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. For the second, to the, it's the second building of the temple. And so that's kind of like the framework for all, all around this deal that we're going to be talking about this morning. But before that... I wanted to uh, I want to share with you. So we, we go to New Mexico. I have my birthday. I do my nephew's wedding. We have an incredible time. We go to Dallas. We we have this incredible experience watching Emma get uh, engaged, and then uh, then we come home. And, I, and Wednesday night, going into Thursday, about twelve thirty nine in the morning, I, I I woke up from kind of a bizarre dream. Now, I, I have a lot of dreams, but I don't remember most of them because I don't know about you, but like when you wake up and you start to try to remember your dream, it's like, like smoke just drifting into the uh, distance and just disappearing. I don't know if you, that feels familiar to you or not, but that's kind of the way it is for me. But this one was super vivid and it stuck with me. It bothered me uh, in a good way, I guess, to push me out of bed and onto my couch with my computer in my lap and I wrote out what it was, this dream was about. And so, for one, a little bit of, little bit of background. I, obviously, you know, I just turned 50. And um, thank you so much for all those who have sent me cards and wished me happy birthday on Facebook and are you here today, whatever. But 50 in the Bible is the year of Jubilee. It's a year of new beginnings. And I wish we, I wish we still followed the, the, the all debts paid, canceled. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was the case? Like, amen. Can I get an amen if you're, all your debts were canceled at 50? Yeah, that would be great. Some of you are like, man, I wish I would have known that. I would have spent more when I was 49. And so, year new beginnings, and I've been thinking about, obviously, um, about all this time in my life, and I know that I'm easily halfway done. I don't know. I mean, my grandma lived pretty long, uh, but my birth father died when he was 54. Listen, y'all, when I turn 55, it's going to be a celebration. You think this was good? It's going to be real good. All right, we got in five years, we'll celebrate a t 10 years as a church and 55 years of life because my real father died at 54, my grandfather died at 54 on my dad's side, and his brother died at 54. 
Yeah, so 55 is a big deal. I'm going to start watching what I eat from now on, all right, until I get to 55, and then I'll eat unhealthy again. So there, there, obviously there's plenty of things I wish I would have done differently uh, in my life. I spent time reflecting on what has been, obviously, and what is to come. And I find myself extremely grateful. And I find myself really motivated, at least in this moment, to finish strong. Anybody else there in your life? Like, I want to finish strong. I only, got, I only got some time left. I don't know how much, but I want to finish strong. And like Daniel a few weeks ago, I definitely need to resolve to not defile myself with some of the food from the king's table and eat a little bit healthier, okay? So on Wednesday night during youth group, we were talking about God's love for mankind, his sacrifice uh, of his son for all mankind. And I told the students, I said, you know what? I love all of you, but I will not sacrifice any of my children for you. I won't. And some of you, and if you're a parent, you know. But I did tell them, if somebody walked into this house today and said, someone must die for their faith, who is it going to be? I gladly would stand up and let that happen. And if you're there in youth group, you know that's what I said. That's true. All right, so just give me some context. Now the dream. I can't remember exactly the scenario, but I do know that in this dream, there was, there was like an antichrist type figure that was going to try to take over life as we know it. And somehow I ended up in a conflict with this person's leadership. And I was brought before him and I was condemned to die. Now obviously it's probably because I was thinking about that at youth or whatever. And I was, I was condemned to die. I remember, I remember trying to avoid that whole scenario and putting off as long as I possibly could. But it, but it came a time when I was standing before a group of people and they were asking me, do you, want, do you want a bullet or do you want an injection? Well, the bullet seems a little bit violent. Um, the injection seemed a little bit uh, kinder in some way, you know. And I was like, well, you know what, I'll go with the injection. But here's what I remember. During this time when I was getting ready to die, I was preaching the gospel more boldly than I've ever preached before in my life, you know. Because I knew it was like my time was over. I was, I was screaming out things like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I was saying stuff like, Jesus, turn to Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. This leader will die someday and he'll be gone like all the other leaders before him. But Jesus is going to live forever and he will be with you forever. I remember preaching this boldly. And then they injected the medicine. But I didn't die. It was really bizarre. Like, like I was, they thought I was dead, but I was conscious. I knew exactly what was going on. I could see and hear everything. I was there. Trish was there. She, she came to care for me. She kept talking to me. She kept praying for me. She kept believing that I'd be restored to full health. And during this entire time, I could just remember having so much peace and feeling so close to God, even in my death. Of course, then I woke up <laughs> from the dream. I was like, whoa, okay. And then I started to think. Most of the time, um, like I said, I, don't, I can't remember my dreams, but this one was very vivid. Here's a few thoughts that I had when I got up and I, when I woke up. Wow. I was a lot more bold about Jesus when I was facing death than I am facing everyday life. As a matter of fact, I felt more alive at that moment than any other time before. Have you ever found yourself wondering 
what it is God wants you to do? I mean, has there been a time in your life where you just like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, where do you want me to go? What do you, who do you want me to marry? You know, like just all these questions. But I knew at that particular moment exactly what I was supposed to do when I was getting ready to die. And I long for that kind of clarity every day. I was struck how faithful my wife was. I shouldn't be struck with that, but I was. To continue to care for me, she kept loving me even though I didn't really, couldn't do anything to love her back. And then finally, I was convinced that the reason I didn't die completely was that God wasn't done with me yet. That just like my life now, after 50, there's more to come. And it's a year of Jubilee. It's a time of new beginning. And I woke up very encouraged after I went back to sleep. And I woke up excited to preach today. Because for one, I haven't preached in a week. And you know how that goes. Preachers got to preach. And so I was like, man, I'm excited. I kind of I can't wait to get into this, this book, Ezra. And we're going to look at some things we can take away from the book of Ezra. All right? Quick look back before we move forward. The last time I preached, I was talking about Daniel. Okay, where was Daniel at the time that I was preaching? How many remember? Where was he at? He's in Babylon, right? Yeah, he was in exile. Um, why was he there? Remember? The people were dis- disobedient. Uh, God said, I warned you, but you didn't listen. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in. He takes him over. He takes him on a, a huge, long trip from Jerusalem to Babylon. All right? And he was there. They, the prophet Jeremiah said, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. So during this time, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, his uh, kingdom was conquered. Uh, new people came in. The Persians came in and took over the land. All right? And this was... Uh, this Ezra story starts about 55 years into the 70 years of exile when the people were, they knew the time was coming. They knew that God would deliver them again. They knew they would get to go back home. And all of a sudden, they get to have this experience. So look at uh, Ezra chapter 1. Okay, we're just going to re- cruise through this book because there's so much incredible information inside there. Hey, Nora, see, here's your card that I found when I was reading my Bible. All right, Ezra chapter 1. Let me get there real quick. I'm going to go to, uh, is this the right way? Is it going to work? Got it on. We, we had to, like, move our computer back up to the top today because they, the school had someone hack their computer system. I don't know if you guys know that or not. All your grades have been exposed to the whole world. It's a good thing it's the beginning of the year. There's nothing to be ashamed of yet. But it's coming, all right? (laughs) Oh, there we go. All right. Ezra chapter 1. All right. So, Ezra chapter 1. Let's get a little bit of context. Let's see what's going on. It says, In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what the king Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house of, uh, at Jerusalem in Judah. 
any of his people among you, may his God be with him and may go, he go to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a freewill offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit God had roused, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver and articles of gold, goods, livestock, valuables, in addition to all that was given as a freewill offering. King Cyrus also brought, about, brought out the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his God's. All right, look at the person next to you and say, here comes the takeaway. All right, ask them if they're ready. All right. So what do you think when you hear the word rouse? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's right there. <laughs> to awaken, to prod, to stir up. You need some of that in your life today? Yeah, you might, your wives are prodding your husband right now. Wake up, dude. Come on, wake up. Stir, I'm rousing you from your sleep. Like that dream, rouse me from my sleep. And I was com completely awake. So God is rousing the leader and he's rousing the people. And he's preparing them to get ready to go. Have you ever been roused by the Holy Spirit? Have you ever been just something inside of you, something's stirring, something's telling you to, something to do or somewhere to go or whatever it is? And you might ask yourself the question today, what is he arousing you to do today? Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to rouse you today. Maybe you need a little sit. You say, God, rouse me today. Wake me up from this dream, <laughs> from this life that I'm currently living. Give me new vision, new purpose. Not only did they get permission to return home to build, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, but the king gave them the finances to begin the work and gave them their stuff back. It's pretty incredible that not only did the king, but the people that they had been living with that weren't like them, they gave them stuff too. They took up an offering for them to go. It's a pretty incredible story if you think about it. God's grace was all over this deal. You know what it made me think about when they got their stuff back? It made me think of that old country song when you play a country song backwards. Anybody know that one? When you get your house back, your dog back, your best friend Jack back, you get your truck back. You get your hair back. I'm, I'm ready. I've been waiting. You get first and second jobs back. Anybody want their first or second job back? My first job was hauling hay in the summertime in southeast Kansas. I don't want that job back. I'm way too old for that. Uh, you, your front porch swing, your bling, 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 and a diamond ring. And boom, there you go, Emma. Um, you get your farm and your barn, a boat and a Harley. All right, down for that. The old black cat named Charlie. My Cousin Charlie's here today. Charlie's back. It sounds a little crazy, right? But so does a foreign king showing so much favor to the exiled people of Israel. But God's grace to his people is amazing, and there's nothing impossible for God. And if you don't believe that, just read the Bible, because incredible stuff happens through this whole, whole book. So the exiles return home. And they start to build. Real quickly, it, Ezra's not with them at this time. Ezra doesn't come for years later. It's Zerubbabel. This guy named Zerubbabel, he's the guy. Should, this book probably should be named Zerubbabel instead of Ezra. But Ezra comes on at the end, and we'll get there in just a moment. So Ezra chapter 3. 
Oh, oh, there he goes. I think I went one too far maybe. Nope, there you go. Ezra chapter 3, next takeaway. All right, so turn over in your Bible or scroll on your phone, whatever you got to do there. Ezra chapter 3, verse 10 through 13. All right, so they've been building. They get the foundation laid. If you, any of you are builders, I know Josh is a, uh, where's my, Josh Winkler, where you at? There he is. He is a, he loves it when I point him out in the service. He loves the spotlight. Uh, no, he doesn't. But anyway, here we are. When he's doing landscape, you've got to build a good, solid foundation and start from there. And so they get the foundation built, and listen to what happens. When the builders laid, had laid the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests dressed in their robes and holding trumpets, and the Levites descended from Asaph, holding cymbals. They took their positions to praise the Lord, as King David of Israel had instructed them to do. It says, They sing with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for he is good. His, love, his faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all of the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the first temple wept loudly when they saw the foundation of the temple. But many others shouted joyfully. The people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shouting from that of the weeping because the people were shouting so loudly and the sound was heard from far away. First of all, wouldn't it be awesome if people heard us praising the Lord so loudly and so joyfully in this place that people were driving by like, dude, what is going on in there? Like on a Friday night, you can hear some praising going on, especially after a touchdown. You can definitely hear that. In the old house we used to live in, we, we could live the game and then didn't have to go there because we were so close. Here's some takeaway. The, um, the country song lyrics, by the way, that I threw in there, uh, obviously they weren't a takeaway. They were just for fun. First takeaway, change is hard. Especially when we get older. Anybody know that? Anybody get an amen for that? Change gets a little harder, right? Uh, we all have a longing in our heart for what used to be or what might have been, which, by the way, reminds me of another country song by Little Texas, but we don't have time to go there, all right? We should all try to adopt the spirit of gratitude for what we have as opposed to what we wish we had. Kids, can you hear me? My young cousins over there. Are you grateful? Are you thankful for what you have? You know, or instead of just wanting more, like I, we can all get caught up in that. I'm 50. I want a Corvette. All right? I'm going to have it one of these days when I get all these kids out of here. I'm almost there with Emma. All right? So now in the interest of time, now in the interest of time, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna jump forward a little bit in the story. because they, So they have this incredible celebration. You got some weeping. You got some, some shouting. But opposition comes. It comes from others on the outside kind of looking in. In Ezra chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it says that then the people who were already in the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. They also bribed officials to act against them to frustrate their plans throughout the reign of King Cyrus of Persia until the reign of King Darius of Persia. So opposition comes. The current king issues a proclamation. He says the rebuilding must stop. And it stops until the second year of King Darius of Persia. And he looks back in the records of God's people and he finds King Cyrus' original decree. Remember in the very beginning, book of Ezra, he finds his original decree. And he's like, no, no, no. They were given approval to do this. Let the building continue. So look at Ezra chapter 6. All right, turn there if you can. Ezra chapter 6. Oh, did we already go there? 
Is somebody helping me out up there? Boom, you guys are good, all right? Awesome, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So some quick takeaways. You can uh, take a picture of the screen, write it down, or just listen. King Darius gave the order, and they searched in the Library of Babylon in the archives, but it was in the fortress of Ecbatana, Ecbatana, in the province of Media, that a scroll was found with this record written on it. It says this. In the first year of King Cyrus, he issued a decree concerning the house of God in Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt as a place for offering sacrifices, and let its original foundations be retained. Its height is to be 90 feet, and its width 90 feet, with three layers of cut stones, and one of timber. The cost is to be paid from the royal treasury, the gold and silver articles of God's house that Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and carried to Babylon must also be returned. Remember, got all their stuff back. They are to be brought to the temple in Jerusalem where they belong and put in to the house of God. Okay, some quick takeaways from these, from this thought. Is anytime you set out to do the right thing, something good for the Lord, guess what? You better expect opposition. Matter of fact, if you're not getting any kind of opposition, uh, you might want to change what it is you're doing. Or you might be getting opposition because you're, you're not being obedient to the Lord. That's possible too. But anytime you say, you want, I want to do the right thing, it's like this. Man, I want to start eating healthy. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, Pastor Brady, we brought you a chocolate cake. Oh, man, I just made this proclamation to start eating healthy. I'll start tomorrow, all right, after the chocolate cake. You can't trust everyone that wants to come alongside you and help you. Their motives might not be pure. People will lie and use fear as a motivator to get what they want from you. Do you know that's true? You've probably experienced it in your own life. I'm sure there are times when people felt like all hope was lost. When they said, you know what, we thought we were supposed to come in. It was pretty clear. Now we're building. Now we've got to stop. Will it ever be finished? You might be in the middle of something right now in your life. You think, is it ever going to be finished? What it is that you're going through, what it is you're struggling with, maybe. But listen, listen to what God did. This is incredible. He sent the prophet Haggai to them. And if you read the book of Haggai, you'll see this. He sent the prophet Haggai to them at just the right time. God may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. By the way, that's another song. That's a gospel song right there, brothers and sisters. You need to look that one up. He's an on-time God. Haggai comes and delivers to the people the Lord's message. He tells them a few things. He says, I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. You know that today God is with you. All right? Is that good news? Somebody got to act like it's good news. Guys, what he read about it. Brian read about it when he was talking. He's present with us. It roused the spirits. There's that word again. Roused the spirits of the people, and they got back to work. Later, Haggai also, he went to Zerubbabel and he tells them, be strong, all you people of the land. This is the Lord's declaration. I love, this is his declaration. Work. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to get you to volunteer and sign up for something, all right? Work. For I am with you, the declaration of the Lord of armies. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. I love it. He is present among you, not was. It wasn't like, oh, that was going on then. It's going on now. The same spirit that took the people through this, this mighty body of water to the other side to safety is the same spirit that is walking with you today. Hallelujah. That's good news. 
And I think we forget that sometimes. We get too overwhelmed by everything else that's going on around us and we think all these things are bigger than God. It's not true. Five, God always finishes what he starts. Do you think God was going to let the temple not be rebuilt? Oh, no, he started it. And he's faithful to complete what he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, he's the author and perfecter of your faith. If he started a work inside you, he's going to finish that work inside you. Now, listen, it'll go a lot better if you would cooperate with him a little bit. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, you got to cooperate with him. Don't be stubborn, obstinate. Walk with him in the midst of it. Walk in obedience, and we'll get there in just a second, too. All right, next slide. Slide number five. Boom, there we go. Ezra chapter 6, verse 15. Go ahead and turn on over. We're, we're moving through. We're getting, we're getting there. It says, This house was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Estimates that it took about 21 years to complete it. I think that includes the time they had to stop for a while, but 21 years. And then they celebrated observing the Passover. You see that in verse 19. They celebrated with their version, <laughs> the original version of the King's of the Lord's Supper. They celebrated together as a people. They observed the celebration. For seven days with joy. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? None of us have time for that. We don't. We have to go back to work tomorrow. School's going to be back tomorrow. We can't stay here for seven days. But I bet you there's enough food out there for seven days. And so if you didn't come prepared today to stay and eat, stay and eat. Because there will be a lot to go around, I'm sure. There is some Filipino fried rice out there that has my name on it. I'm the birthday boy. I get to eat it first, all right? Just saying. Takeaway, we come to the table today to celebrate the Passover, a new, a new way of celebrating it because of this new covenant established by the shedding of Christ's blood. And we should come to the table with great joy. Great joy. The book of Ezra is named after this man who was a priest. Ezra was a scribe and expert in the matters of the law of Moses, having knowledge of the commands and statutes of Israel. Uh, many people think that it was written, for the most part, like especially until Ezra comes onto the scene, by someone that they would call a chronicler, someone who would write down the details of the day and kept record. Next slide. Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7. Verse 10. I think I put 1 through 10, but it's not, we're not going to read 1 through 10. We're just going to do verse 10. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. All right, pay attention. Here comes the takeaway. Determine in your heart to study the Bible. Not just read the Bible, which is a good step, but study it. Dig into it a little bit more. Find out. Uh, the context of the passage that you're reading, what's going on in the story. Google, you can find all kinds of incredible information online. Study the Bible. Uh, then once you, once you hear it, then obey it. It's one thing to hear what I'm saying, but it's another thing to walk out and walk in obedience to it. Obey it. And then teach it to others. You have this incredible gift 
this incredible bit of knowledge, then give it away. Tell somebody else. Tell somebody else the good news, obviously. Paul told Timothy in the book of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. So you can do 2T22. That's an easy way to remember this. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's what we're called to do. We learn and then we go give the knowledge away so that other people will learn to give the knowledge away. Ezra, strengthened by the hand of the Lord, gathered the Israelites' leaders and started out on their four-month journey to get back home. It took them four months. It was 500 miles as the crow flies, right? And there were no direct flights at that time, so you had to go up and around. And it took them four months to make this journey. It was 80 years after the first group came to Jerusalem that Ezra came. So think about it. 80 years has gone by. The temple has been built. The people have settled back into everyday life. And Ezra comes on the scene. Next slide, look at Ezra chapter 8. We're doing good, doing good. So while they're on their journey, in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, Ezra says, I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us, our dependence and all our possessions. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey since we had, since we had told him that the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayer. We're on a journey, y'all. You know, I'm 50 years into my journey. Some of you are that far. Some of you are a little bit further. Some of you not quite so far at all. But we're on this journey. And Ezra gives us, gives us some wisdom on what it is that we can do while we're on this journey to, back, to going back home. And for one, uh, Learning this gift and art of fasting, which I, I should get better at because I'm going to try to eat healthy. It's one way of losing some weight. <laughs> it's fasting. But not just abstaining from food for that reason, but, but abstaining from something in order to gain something better. God's presence, God's wisdom, God's, his, his rousing of my spirit. So they fasted. It says they prayed. They were humble. They sought God. It's a common theme all throughout Scripture. A sense of humility and a seeking of the Lord and asking for his guidance. It's a good takeaway. So this book, like I said, could have been named Zerubbabel. um, And he was the one that Haggai came to encourage. But Ezra, when he comes onto the scene, when he finally gets there, like he's on the journey now, but when he finally gets there in chapter 9... You think it's just one, one chapter over, but it's 80 years. And Ezra comes to Jerusalem. He sees the temple. Now, it wasn't as grand and as beautiful as the first one, but it was still something to see. 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. 21 years to create. 
And Ezra gets there, and the very last slide. Ezra is more concerned about rebuilding the inside of the people than what is happening on the outside of the temple. Ezra wasn't sent to rebuild the temple. He was sent to bring about spiritual reform. And in Ezra chapter 9 it says, After all these things had been done, the leaders of the people approached Ezra and said, The people of Israel, listen, the priests and the Levites have, have not separated themselves from the surrounding peoples whose detestable practices are like those of the Canaanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. Indeed, the Israel men have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons so that the holy seed has become mixed with the surrounding people. The leaders and officials have taken the lead in this unfaithfulness. you got to hear that. If you're a leader of anything, if you're a husband, you're a leader of your home. And it says the leaders and officials have taken lead in this unfaithfulness. Let it not be so in this church. Pray for me as your pastor. As this year of Jubilee has come, a new beginning. Pray that I will finish well. Because you see it all over the news where people aren't finishing well. They're failing all around us. And it says the leaders led in this unfaithfulness. And, when, and listen to what Ezra did. When I heard this report, I tore my tunic and robe, pulled out some of the hair from my head and beard, and I sat down devastated. I don't necessarily suggest all of us doing that, but we should grieve the immorality of the world that we live in. And Ezra, he does what every good priest does. He cried out to the Lord in a prayer of confession. And if you, you, could, just, you could just read it in chapter 9. It's powerful. He says in verse 6, he says, My God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face towards you. Because our iniquities are higher than our heads and our guilt is as high as the heavens. Our guilt has been terrible from the days of our fathers until present. Because of our iniquities, we, have handed over, we were handed over along with our kings and priests to surrounding kings and to the sword, captivity, plundering, and often in open shame as it is today. Oh, but, but wait, here's the good news. Listen. But now for a brief moment, grace has come from the Lord our God to preserve a remnant for us and give us a stake in this holy Place. Even in our slavery, God has given us a little relief and light to our eyes. And though we are slaves, our God has not abandoned us in our slavery. He has extended grace to us in the presence of the Persian kings, giving us relief so that we can rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Two massive takeaways as we finish up our time. God is much more concerned about your heart than he is about your outward appearance. Radical rebellion 
calls for radical repentance. And from the top down, they began to confess and they began to repent and walk away from their sin one at a time. I love this place, but it says, but now for a brief moment, grace has come. So ladies and gentlemen, we come today getting ready to come to the table to celebrate the greatest act of grace that mankind has ever experienced. And that is in the form of a Savior named Jesus. Who is already preparing the way to come back to rescue us. And when we come to the table today, that is what we celebrate. This great gift of grace. We come in reverence, but we come with great joy. Great joy. Because for a while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us that much. He didn't wait He didn't wait for these people to get it together. He showed them grace and they got it together. And he does the same thing for you and me. He demonstrates incredible grace to us because of his great love. So the worship team's gonna come. And so we'll we'll start singing. And here's here's how we'll do it. So it's a little different today. So if if you're serving communion, go ahead and come on up. And we'll have uh, one stand right here by the table, and the other one can stand back a little bit. Okay, so how we do it here at the Calling Community Church, because we're so spread out, uh, we have everyone come forward, and you're going to take a piece of bread, and you're going to take a a little cup of juice, and then you're going to go back to your seat, and you're going to wait, and we're all going to eat together, okay? So um, when the music starts, you'll stand up, and then um, we'll have... Uh, Beth, you're going to greet everyone. Beth's going to dismiss each row. So you're going to stand up and you're going to go to your left this time. And if you came prepared to give an offering, that's awesome because you're going to give before you receive. You're going to drop it in the basket. If you've got your attendance sheet filled out, please take some time to do that. Just drop that in the basket too. And then you're going to come and you're going to go right back to your seat. Does it make sense? Hopefully everybody sees. But here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to stand up right where you're at. And I'm not asking you to pluck out your hair, or your beard, or sit in devastation, but I want you to, I want you to close your eyes and I want, to take, I want you to take just a moment, just a, just a moment to reflect on your own sin and disobedience. Don't be afraid to ask the Lord to rouse your spirit to awaking you, to reveal to you what it is that he wants you to confess, what it is he wants you to repent from, to turn away from. Don't be afraid of that moment because it's, it's grace that will meet you there, not condemnation, I promise you. Don't be afraid. Don't let the opposition cause fear and lies to keep you from rebuilding your life today. Don't let that happen. 
And we do this in, in youth group, and I'm going to ask you to be bold. I want you to do it with me today. I want you to repeat these words after me. Lord, a little more zeal in your voice. Lord, I have sinned before you. Please forgive me. Thank you for your grace. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.